Hello, my name is Jerry Durham, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, What's Best for the Patient is Best for the Business. This podcast was put together for you, the healthcare practice owner, and wants to achieve success in your healthcare practice and turn this practice, this clinic, into a business. So if you want growth and scalability that drives financial performance, all three of those don't always come together. But if you want that, then you've come to the right place. I'm here to help you be most successful in your healthcare practice and turn it into a business. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Hello, my name is Jerry Durham. Welcome to what's best for the patient is best for business podcast. This is the interview series, doing it and helping others. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to what's best for the patient is best for business podcast podcast. I'm Jerry Durham. And again, we're in the middle of this interview series. And the series we're into is doing it and helping others do it or get it done, I should say. I don't even know if that's on the end of it, but it just sounds better. I just thought about it. And today I want to welcome Dr. Donnell and Dr. J. And I can't say Dr. J without thinking of Dr. J, because if you guys know how old I am and when I grew up, Dr. J was a big part of me growing up. So every time I say Dr. J, you're going to hear this slight pause because I have to go, wait, who? So Dr. J. Martin and Dr. Donnell Dixon. And I'm, we're just going to jump right in, if you don't mind, ladies. And, um, so both of you, I know, you know, you both have very interesting stories and I'm very excited. This has been a huge part of this whole series. I've learned so much about the people I brought on here. So I'm looking forward to hearing. And then I want people to hear how you guys have come together and who you're helping and how you can help them. So we haven't, we didn't flip a coin or nothing. So we're just going to see who goes first here, people. It looks Dr. like Dr. J. J, if you could see the uh, video, is going to Dr. Donnell. So Dr. Donnell, you're up. Uh, okay. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Jerry, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Dr. Danelle Dixon. Um, I'm a licensed physical therapist operating out of Washington, D.C. Um, my company is Performance Plus Physical Therapy. We've been around for about five years, going on six. Um, I guess five if you don't count the pandemic as a year. But, you know, I think everybody's in that in that boat. That was the biggest learning year. What do you mean? You, that counts as double. I, I hope so. I hope so. that is true. It should. Um, I also have two other businesses. One is called the Black Female Foundation, which is a business mentoring and coaching um, um, group for minority women in business that I run with the amazing Dr. J, who's with us today. And also um, my other company is called the Dance Ready Project, which is an online hub and um, for Dancers. Basically, we provide tools, online resources, evidence-based information for dancers to make sure that they are dance ready and they're staying injury free and they have all of the tools that they need to perform well. So that is a little bit about me. Um, I got into physical therapy. I've been practicing for about 16 years. Won't tell you my age, um, but I've been practicing for about 16 years and I got into physical therapy as a young dancer. Initially, I wanted to actually be a neurosurgeon, um, but decided against neurosurgery because 
um, they didn't travel and they didn't dance. So I figured it just was just not going to work out. <laughs> that took you about, <laughs> about five seconds to move. I, I love yeah. it. It's like, yeah, I wanted to do neurosurgery until I realized they don't travel and they don't dance. Yeah. Next. Next. <laughs> Absolutely next with that one. Um, so my, my um, collision course with physical therapy actually happened in my sophomore year of college. Um, I had. Um, wait a, a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You guys all skip over important shit. So where, where are you? Where are you at this point? Where are you in the world? I am in Washington, D.C. OK, no. Six, at this time, sophomore in high school. Oh, no, I am in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm in okay, Baltimore, good. Maryland. I, I, want, I want the story. I want, I want it. man. I want the details here. I think this is important. People need to know. Right. We got people listening from all over. I, you know, I want people to know you're in Baltimore going to high school, right? Okay. You know, we don't have to go any further than that or deeper than that, but I, I want them to understand where you are and where your journey's taking you, right? Got it. Got cool. it. Cool. Got cool. It. Okay. Thank you. So let, let's, let's go back a little bit. I'm at Morgan State University, Baltimore, Maryland. I'm in my sophomore year of college, and I decide to go to New York City um, for um, a scholarship to Alvin Ely American Dance Theater to dance. It was a summer intensive. Um, it was my first time dancing in New York at that level, at least, um, at least at a college level, I would say I'd, I'd been there before dancing, but not at the college level. So I was super excited to go because if you guys know anything about the dance world, it's, you know, like one of the premier places to be just so happened when I started my, um, when I started my program, my grandmother back home passed, um, back home for me is Trinidad and Tobago. That's the accent that you hear. Um, and I couldn't afford to go back home. My dad was like, girl, we, we can't afford the funeral and you nope, can't do it. You got to stay here. So of course it, was, it became a really difficult time because I couldn't say goodbye to my grandmother. And that summer just immediately took on a lot more significance um, than it had previously had, if it wasn't already heavy and exciting enough for, you know, a young woman in college. Um, suddenly failing was not an option. And for most dancers and for most athletes, failing isn't an option, but I now had a very personal connection to why I could not fail. So I went through the program. It was very intense. We were dancing nine hours a day. Um, and one day we were doing rehearsals. I got off the floor and pulled a muscle in my groin and I'd never had an injury before and knew nothing about dance, um, injuries or my body or anything like that. Um, and, uh, I remember at the time my boyfriend told me you should put some ice on it. And I'm like, this man is crazy. I'm not doing that. And I put heat on it. And of course, by the next morning could not stand straight and was just mortified and thinking, what am I going to do? Like that real fear that any athlete has, that has ever been injured that knows suddenly that they can't perform have of like, shit, what am I going to do is exactly what hit me at that time. And if I had met a genie that told me to jump off the Empire State Building and that would have made me better, that's exactly what I would have done. I was just like, this is going down. Like this, this has to be fixed. Um, so I asked around, found a physical therapist and she magically fixed me. And that is exactly how I knew what I wanted to do. Um, medicine was always a passion of mine. It collided now with my dance world. And it was, it was now presented in a way that worked with a population that I was personally attached to and passionate about. So it was an instant no-brainer of what I wanted to do. And that's how I got into the dance world. Um, moving forward, I finished um, college, took a year off to dance in New York City. Um, 
and also kind of get ready for physical therapy school by doing prerequisites and then ended up in Delaware. This was in 2004, 2006 um, for my um um, my graduate degree in physical therapy, doctor of physical therapy. Um, I focused on orthopedics because I was very interested in the sports side of it and knew that I wanted to work with dancers. And after I graduated, I moved down to the Washington, D.C. area where I've been working ever since. Um, I bounced around a bit from clinic to clinic in the beginning. Um, I think corporate um, physical therapy was an interesting experience for me. I lasted in my first job six months. Um, and I only lasted six months because at four months they wouldn't transfer me. But I went from a new grad seeing six patients a day to 22 to 25 patients a day within two weeks of being there. So needless to say, I burned out pretty quickly. And I literally walked into HR and said, listen, transfer me or I quit, which was I think a pretty bold move for anyone that knows anything about immigration. For anyone on a visa to tell someone, hey, listen transfer me or I quit is a pretty bold move. And I didn't think about it that at that point in time. I was just like, this this can't work. It's just not going to work out. Um, so Hold on. Hold uh-huh. on. See, this is stuff I didn't know. <laughs> well, no, this is important. This, this is important, man. Because mm-hmm. I'm sitting here going, yeah, fuck yeah. She told him no more. And then it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There was a huge risk. So real yeah. quick, and mm-hmm. I, again, we don't need to dive into other I don't want you to go any deeper than you want to go, but it's important. So you were on a, you were on a, sorry, did you say I visa? was on a H-1B visa, which okay. is a worker's visa that's valid for three years for immigrants to the U.S. Okay. So let me just say this. So you at the time were not a, were not a card carrying American citizen. Correct. Okay. I just want to make sure because, mm-hmm. okay. Because yeah, all of a sudden this is like, whoa. And so just for context for everybody, mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm just processing this, if you quit, then you are at risk of losing the visa and having to go home. Is that correct? correct. That's absolutely Ooh. correct. Okie dokie. Your, so the risk- your, job, your job is tied to your visa. So you have no employer. You have no visa. See, this is important stuff. See? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is, yeah, the risk is huge here. Yeah, this is important. I, People need to know this, man. This yeah. is important stuff. Right? Funny, I've never really talked about this, not that I think about it, but you said See, put everything on it. I gotta be honest. I gotta it. be honest. This is what's been so cool about talking to everybody. I may do more of just this to just bring people on to go, share your story. I'm just gonna call it share your story because it's it's fantastic. And and right, how many people out there right now just went, holy shit, there's someone else like me. So right. True. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Right. So, so, all right, I'm gonna let you keep going. So, you walked in and said, "Yo, so I, out. yeah, I, I, I walked into HR and I was like, this, this can't work out.'" And they were like, "Well, you know," and I'm like, "Transfer me or I quit. This is not sustainable." You know what I mean? And I think any new grad outside of the the visa issue and the immigration issue, any new grad that has had a crazy job outpatient where they're throwing patients at you and just have unrealistic expectations of what life looks like as a physical therapist, what your personal life looks like, what your, what your clinical life looks like, the outcomes that you can realistically um, provide for your patients, but also what is your work life balance? Like, like I had no lunches. I, I slept for six hours and got up and went back to work again. Like I, I was constantly working. So it, it, and I mean, at that point in time, as a new grad, you want to do well. So you're throwing yourself into your work. You're putting 110% out every day. 
you know, it's not sustainable. So it, again, it literally took me four months to burn out from my first job. Um, I think they realized I was a little bit crazy and they're like, let's just transfer this chick. And she's, she's not letting up. So they did transfer me to another location, um, which I lasted, I would say maybe two and a half years at that point, again, coming back to the visa issue. Um, I was like, okay, you know, um, if you guys know anything about the H1B visa, it's valid for three years. After that, you have to renew it. After that, you have a total of six years and that's the end. You have to change your status. You no longer have that as an option to be in the U S so options that people usually go is they usually get married, they go back to school, which means they change your visa status, or they apply for a green card. Again, a green card is um, usually tied to your employer. So it's something that your employer has to do for you. So, you know, me looking hey, real at quick, Real quick, does mm-hmm. the green card legally make you a citizen? No, it does not. No. Okay, green card is permanent resident status. So, so that just makes you that just makes you allowed to live, reside, work. So if you're working on a green card, then you don't need further authorization for employment. But as and as a green so it's card, like a holder, step above. Is it like a it's, it's a step, step right before citizenship? So then once you have the green card, if you've been a resident for at least five years with green card status, then you can apply for citizenship. The most important part about the green card, as Dr. J said, is that you're no longer tied to an employer. Mm-hmm. Big, big, big freedom! You now have freedom. So you got a crappy employee, you can quit. You can actually quit, you know. But if you are on an H1B, you are tied to that employer. So again, going back to the situation, I, you know, I now had three years. I was about to start my fourth year with the renewal process. And I'm like, all right, we need to talk about what's happening in two years. And everyone got a little shifty. And I, you know, I got the, I I got the typical corporate response, which is, oh, we're looking into it, but with no response, you know, the same. So if anyone has ever asked for a raise in a corporate setting, the same thing that you get about like, you're great, but we'll get back to you. It's the same thing. <laughs> so in which case I knew, all right, this is not going to go down. So for me, um, it was, it now became important for me to, I, I got to find another door. I love the job that I do. I love working with dancers. Um, there must be a clinic that can check all of my boxes. There must be. So I looked around, I found one. Um, that was able to allow me to build a program for dancers to work with my orthopedic patients. And they were, they were like, yes, you want to do a green card? Let's do that. So I left, um, started at this new clinic and, um, just full disclosure, guys, I've had a trend of horrible bosses. So all of my stories are pretty, um, interesting to one measure or the other. I'll try to condense this to get to the juicy part of how I decided to become a business owner, but I've I've had a string of horrible bosses. Um, this boss was nice, but, um, you know, not a particularly great businessman. Um, and after everything was settled, you know, I was able to build a bit of my practice in terms of seeing dancers, but it wasn't a great fit. Um, so after I, I got through with my green card, which he filed and tried to work with him in a managerial situation, which was terrible because again, he was a nice man, but just, just not a great business owner, um, struggled to pay his employees on time, all sorts of fun stuff. You know, I was like, all right, so I gotta go. This is stressful enough. Let me go to somewhere where I don't have to think about things. So on to my next level, um, my next opportunity where I decided to step back from management. Um, but unfortunately, guys, once you know something, you don't, you can't unknow it, right? Once you understand the runnings of a business, 
you don't magically switch that off, you know? So even though I was a manager, a manager person, you know, taking a staff employees um, position in my next opportunity, but within two weeks of being there, I recognized that there were very grave things wrong with this business that I had not seen coming in the door. Um, and it all had to do with, you know, fun stuff like insurance fraud, you know, which I was just like, oh, wow. Well, how how do I distance myself from this? So, you know, if there's any audit going on, I am not involved, you know, which um, I found a way to successfully do, but immediately put me at odds with my, right. boss, exactly. you know, because from her standpoint, this was about money, you know, and, you, you know, you don't question the boss, you know, you just... You just have to do whatever the boss says. But full disclosure for the young clinicians working out there, if you are audited, your license is the thing that they're coming after, not the person who told you to do it. That's why you have a license. The liability always comes back to you. So long story short, you know, I had a year of very contentious relationship with this boss of mine because no boss particularly likes an employee coming in the door and saying, I'm going to do this, this, that, hell no, maybe sometimes hell no, hell no, which is exactly what I did. So it, it was a contentious um, scenario, equally crappy boss on, on different levels. Um, so outside of the insurance um, for stuff going on, um, definitely decided that this opportunity wasn't for me. And moved on to the last one. And all this time, guys, just so you know, there are these little thoughts being planted in my head of like, maybe you can do this. But I was really doubtful. I was just like, I'm not sure that I can do it. I, I don't know that I have all that it takes. You know, people don't know me, you know. But as I went from, you know, from these different opportunities over this course of time, over the 10 years that it took me to actually start my business, I realized patients were following me. They're like, Danelle, where are you going? Okay, I'm going there. And I recognized that there was a specific power that you have as a clinician when you make connections and you form great relationships with people, that they treasure those and they are not particularly going to be beholden to the sign on the door. So in my last opportunity before I quit, I decided, all right, there must be a good boss out here in this universe. Maybe it's me and maybe I'm just looking in the wrong places and encountered um, an opportunity with a local physician. And that was equally terrible. Um, his, his deal was. Um, I think we hear a trend coming on here. We, we bad bosses or. Yeah. We, we, are, we, or, or maybe. Way, I know someone employee. else who went through the same. Report. You know, or maybe, or who knows, maybe, full, maybe I was just a bad employee. Maybe I couldn't take direction. I mean, my patients loved me, but you know, I'm, I'm very much a person of, if I see something, I'll be like, that that's not going down. And I think that personality is very much of a leader type personality that, egotistical bosses don't jive with that. That's what it comes down to. Um, in this particular situation, um, this boss um, apparently had a reputation of not playing his employees, um, specifically his female employees. Oh, nice. um, and of course, you know, not something that I had ever thought to ask coming in, you know, to say, hey, Hey, am I going to get my paycheck right here? It's usually not a qualifying question. You know, so, you know, after one situation where he had asked me to um, speak at a conference that he had put together and um, then paid me half of it and told me, hey, I just don't feel like I need to pay you. 
That was situation number one. And by the second situation where he decided, oh, I'm just not going to, I just don't feel like I need to pay you what's in your contract in terms of your medical coverage. I literally quit. Like I called him, I'm just like, we're going to resolve this or what? And he's just like, well, I don't think, I was like, okay, great. Friday's my last day. And he's like, well, you know, let's talk about it. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm done. And at that point, guys, my rope with shitty bosses was over. And I literally had the the light bulb moments of like, if these idiots could figure it out, I can figure it out. This can't be this hard. I'm not stupid. I'm intelligent. I'm good at my job. I have great people skills. I can figure it out. I jumped and I started my business um, downtown DC. Um, I did not- What year is this? What year is this? This is 2017. Yeah. Um, I started my business. Um, I did not financially plan. I would not recommend that to anyone. I literally looked at my bank account and said, I have three months rent and some leftover. I'm good. Don't do that. I would not do that. So within month two, I was doing well, but not doing enough to maintain the lifestyle that I had before and recognize that there were things that I was missing. So I decided to start investing in business coaches which I think is an amazing investment and what has saved my business and got me to where I am today. Um, Went through a couple of different business coaches that got me on the right track in terms of pricing, positioning in the market, messaging, and all of the things that you really don't learn as a staff PT that is important to the running and operations of business. Um, Even as a manager, right? Just for clarification. As a manager, absolutely. For for the places you are managing, let's be honest, you're not going to learn any of those things. You're just learning how to manage some numbers. Agreed, you know, and um, I just my- want to make sure everybody understands it. Absolutely, and I think it. I think in in to expand on that point, Jerry, it does depend on the managerial um, right. position that you have. Mine included marketing, so I I figured it out on the fly. I didn't really know what I was doing. It just so happened I had good ideas, um, and I had. Um, I could back it up with the outcomes of my patients. So, you know, clinicians, um, I'm, I'm sorry, not clinicians, but doctors in the area quickly recognize that and develop relationships with me. Um, but it's not always that easy. You know, markets are variable. You really have to study the market, understand what your clients are looking for and understand the very clear obstacles that is going to pose difficulties in your success. It's not that easy. I did have an easy marketing problem to solve at that point in time. When you're a solo business owner, it's very different. You know, you are your brand. No one knows you from Adam. You have to, you know, compete with the larger names that are louder in the market, like the, you know, the mom and pops, you know, shops that are, you know, have the chains, the pivots, you know, all of those guys. Um, and you have to really prove your your value in the market to the people that are paying you every single time. And that's something that physical therapists are not trained to do. Um, they are trained to evaluate and treat. And once a doctor said you have to come, then you come. Right. That's not how the rest of the market works. So there was a lot of learning to do, a lot of unlearning of, of you know, different models that I had in my mind and really picking up new skills in terms of marketing, advertising how to speak, how to engage with people, how to create great relationships that will fuel my business, not just at that time, but also for the future, how to do collaborations, which is where Dr. J comes in. All of these things that are just really key in terms of putting together um, a successful business. Um, I started the Black Female Foundation with Dr. J um, last year during COVID. Um, and it was a really crazy venture that I would have not thought of five years ago. 
Um, but that has totally um, been an amazing journey in terms of when working. Did, uh, let's back this up again. Everybody jumps ahead. <laughs> when did you two officially meet? What year? So hold on. You started a business in 2019, right? 2019, you're saying? 2020. 2020. We, we started the business last year. We met three years ago, I think. Three, two. We, we, we'd met online. We met in person in 18. That just sounds so funny, right? We met yeah, but online, we, right? But, it sounds but like it's our, and it was a love at first sight. <laughs> yeah, we met, we met, yeah, we met in, in person mm-hmm. in 2018. And like, I'd, I'd started following her. Like we, we, we were introduced in like 17. Okay. Okay. I just want context. Yeah. So you guys knew each other for about two years. Basically. Yeah. I did. So full disclosure, Jay is a little bit crazy. I'm, I am, a little bit. I am outgoing. If I know oh, you. Oh, um, if you guys don't know Dr. Dinell, that is a correct statement. Yeah, I'm outgoing if I know you. If I don't, I'm. Oh, outgoing. interesting. Oh, okay. Well, but I don't know. I Jerry, yeah, let this woman, let this woman this think what right she, let this woman think what she wants about herself. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm not going to go there right now. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> It, so I will say meeting Dr. J took me by surprise because she was immediately super affectionate and gave me a hug and she's way taller than I am. And I'm just like, uh, I can't really escape this person. Like she's like, girl, so happy to see you. And I'm like, oh, this is a lot. Um, I just met you, lady. Why, why are you hugging me? This is a lot. But I mean, she has an amazing her, her personality in my mind is pretty magnetic when you really when you really sit and talk with her. She has an amazing story that she's going to share shortly, of course. Um, but kind of moving forward in terms of meeting her, the idea of working together was just a no brainer because we had similar experiences and our similar experiences was the fact that we were both minority women who figured it out and then have mentors. We didn't have people that looked like us. We didn't have people that had our stories. We were both immigrants. So she understood the story that I just detailed in terms of, you know, the risk that I took in terms of telling my employers transfer me to another place or else I quit. Like, if you don't understand the immigration's background of that, that story just becomes a like, oh, you stood up for yourself versus a like, shit, she's... And that's what I'm saying. So that story, when you leave out, which you could say, you say it so fast or go over it, people are like, yeah, cool, that was just like me, right? White guy, 54-year-old white guy, Jerry, you're going, (laughs) yeah, that was just like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Wait, what was in there? I was like, let's just hook it up like eight levels, right? Yeah. It's, it's, and I mean, I, I look back honestly and I'm just like, girl, were you stupid? What are you thinking? You know, like, I, I honestly didn't think, I just, I was just like, this is unacceptable. And, and I think it speaks to the confidence that minority women must have in the market. Because if I had, if I had for any second doubted that I was able to get, I was unable to get the outcome that I wanted, I would have not gotten it. And I think I would have lasted in PT two years before I would have said, you know what? I think it's time for me to go back home to Trinidad and Tobago. I can't do this, honestly. And we don't, we don't have options. You know, there, there's really by the, the good side of that, we have to show up as very confident, amazing intellectual and intellectuals in the market and people that uniquely embrace our unicornness, our, our uniqueness in the market. But on the other side, you know, people expect that all the time and we don't get to be human. 
So there's really a duality to it. Um, So in terms of meeting Dr. Martin, it was, you know, we just had similar stories and uh, similar struggles of trying to, you know, differentiate ourselves in the market, position ourselves well, get getting paid what we are owed. Um, just like everyone else, just like every other woman that has experienced it out there, just like any of the minority who's experienced not being compensated for their time well, dealing with plagiarism, dealing with, you know, people, you know, condescending people. We we just had the gamut of all of the things that we experienced and we were still standing and we figured it out on our own. And we were like, how amazing would it be if Pete, we can act as mentors to people who are going through this stuff that we know are going through this stuff right now and they mm-hmm. have no one to guide them. So yeah. really um, figuring out exactly what we, what we needed to do in terms of starting this business was absolutely a no brainer. So that's a bit about my story. Um, I'll talk a little bit about um, the dance ready project, which again was also formed in 2020 Um I think 2020 was just one of those years where um, I'm not sure about everyone else. My stress reaction is to work, which is weird, but it is. So for those guys, um, as I said, um, my stress reaction to stress is work. I work, I work, I work. My brain works overtime, so I don't have to think about how stressed I am. So I think 2020 was definitely a crucible for me in terms of where, what can I do with my time? We were all quarantined. We were all worried about it was going to be the end of the world. People were acting crazy all over the place. There's so much stuff going on, um, not just with um, the pandemic, but also in social justice. The world was a busy place and my brain needed to get a little bit busy to escape that. So the Dance Ready Project is um, a company that I created with two other amazing PTs located in Washington, in New York City. Um, they are the PTs for the Alvin Ely American Dance Theater. And we both, all three of us were thinking of similar issues in the dance world that had come up because of the pandemic. And we were all trying to figure out slightly different solutions that solve the same problem. How do we make sure the dancers um, have the right tools and resources from an evidence-based perspective in order to get back on stage safely? So we decided to combine our efforts and um, work together to create this online product. We have three amazing programs, which are all doing really well right now. We have a dance ready score, which you can do an online quick assessment. And in 20, and you can do a 20 minute assessment and get an instant score of where you are right now and what needs to happen next as a dancer. Um, we also have um, two conditioning programs, the dance ready conditioning program that relies a lot on the talents of Dr. Shea and Dr. Marissa, the two other PTs that I work with. And they also combine a lot of the amazing people in the dance world. If you're in the dance world, you know these names. Um, Renee Robinson, amazing dancers from Alvin Ailey, from ABT, that come in and teach a variety of classes to get you conditioned. Um, and also there's my program called Dance Bridge Online, which is an eight-week um, online conditioning program that's taking you through step-by-step the things that you need to do to get better. We've been working with so many different people in the dance world since we launched, and we about, I think we're seven months old, if I'm not mistaken. We've worked with Catsman, we've worked with ABT, Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, Dance Institute of Washington down here in Washington, D.C., We've worked with Broadway. I can't say the name of the Broadway production because it's not in our contract, Um, but we've done a bunch of stuff and um, really excited about doing so many more things. So 
you know, I'm here with Jerry and with Dr. J as a testament to passion. I love my job. I love working with my patients. Um, and I'm super passionate about making sure that people who had experiences like myself, the injured dancer who had no idea what to do and what to do next has options. And the business owner who was just like, shit, I'm in this alone and I need help. That all of those, those two people, you know, who are very close to me and are me, you know, ideally is exactly myself, that they have options um, that they can actually explore and find success and, um, and fulfillment in their careers. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening today to the podcast. Here's what I want you to do next. Um, If you want to stay in touch or want more information on the doing of all this, then I highly recommend and I really want you to go over to my YouTube page, Jerry Durham PT, J-E-R-R-Y-D-U-R-H-A-M. There is just so much content, videos added weekly, if not daily and you will be able to bury yourself and immerse yourself into this content and learn all you need to know to start implementing some of the things we talked about today second thing i want you to do is just jump in feet first over at my facebook group what's best for the patient is best for business daily interactions right i'll be there you can have discussions with other people you can ask me questions i post there frequently post videos i share information there so it's a place to stay up to date and be very interactive with other people who have the same goals and mindset that you do and want to create this business this healthcare practice that will scale and grow and give you financial performance cheers all